Blog Talk Radio. Radio. I am a certified reconnective healing practitioner, 
sound therapist and positive psychology practitioner with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where we are streaming to you live as we do every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Our chat room is open, so feel free to join the discussion that's already happening online. We do keep an eye on the chat room, so if you have a question, go ahead and post it. We will do our best to get your question on air. We are having a little inclement weather right now, so I'm not sure how well that's going to work tonight, but we'll do our best. As an alternative, for those of you who are on the go and you cannot continue to listen online, please call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227. And that way you can listen via phone or make sure you're using your Bluetooth if you are driving about. So do you consider yourself intuitive? You know, we all are, and we've talked about this a lot here at Energy Awareness Radio. No one is more special or gifted than anyone else. It's really just a matter of how much you flex that intuitive muscle. You know, you want a well-toned body, so you go to the gym and you work out. You want to increase your intuitive abilities. Well, you need to work on that as well. And tonight, we're going to discuss some of the tools that you can use to do just that. My guest is Simone Wright, the evolutionary mind coach for elite performers and visionary leaders. And she's the author of First Intelligence, Using the Science and Spirit of Intuition, which is our topic for the evening. Simone uses her intuitive skills to assist in police investigations, missing children cases, and corporate business strategies. And she's been featured on the Oprah Winfrey Show, and she's here at Energy Awareness Radio tonight to help all of us learn how to better access, enhance, and use our natural intuitive abilities in our daily life. Welcome to the show, Simone. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you being this evening? I am being fabulous, T. Thank you for having me. (laughs) You're welcome, and thank you for recognizing that word. A lot of people don't. They just say, oh, I'm doing good. (laughs) (laughs) But we're really being. (laughs) We are being, definitely. That's right. (laughs) That's what we are. You know, your book, First Intelligence, I'm pretty sure, didn't that just come out on June 15th? It's like really new. It's really mm-hmm. brand spanking new. It's it's still wet off the presses. That's it, how new it is. It so. literally is because I couldn't read a good portion of my copy. <laughs> Something happened to it. I don't know what. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> no, I'm not. I got the manuscript, and it's it's the you know it's not the book. It's actually the manuscript, and and I started reading it, and I thought this is really blurred. I can't see this. What's going oh, on? Oh no! <laughs> oh, no! But that's well, okay. Pub- I got the gist of it. <laughs> Well, I hope I can help clarify whatever it is that needs to be clarified. And let me just tell your listeners that if you order the book, it, everything so far is all printed clearly. Sorry about that, T. That's bizarre. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. because they will get the book, not the manuscript. I, need, I do need to make that clear. Sometimes I get manuscripts, and they're not the actual book. So sometimes it's, you know, the uncorrected version or whatever. I'm not getting the book in all cases. So don't think you're going to get what I'm getting. You won't. You'll get a brand-new spanking copy, you know, brand-new copy that's just <laughs> So, but is it true that you were working on a, on a specific police case, and that's what led you to format the the practical approach that you have to teaching intuition, which resulted in this book, First Intelligence? It is true. I was already teaching um, my program called Everyday Intuition. I was teaching that program all around North America at the time. But I, on a layover back from Canada to Los Angeles, um, I had a stopover in my hometown in Canada, and a cop friend of mine uh, who knew I was having a layover called me at the hotel and didn't give me any information. He says, are you, are you around for a while? Because I'm going to come pick you up and take you to a scene. And he didn't give me any details or information. And 
Uh, he swung by a little bit later, picked me up, and we drove a few minutes across town, and he spit me out of his car at this restaurant and said, I'll be back in 10 minutes. Tell me what you get, and uh, see you later. <laughs> and um, it was a little nondescript Vietnamese restaurant in a strip mall, and I, I felt like a doofus just standing there, you know, doing my work. So I ordered some to-go food while I waited, and that was enough time to get what I needed to get. And my friend picked me up 10 minutes later, and I was able to give him information that outlined what had transpired there, and it was a triple homicide gang hit. And I was able to give him details on the shooters, the kind of weapons they used, um, the order of the shooting, who went in first, what they looked like, the kind of car they drove, who the victim was, and all those sort of details. And my cop friend was really astounded. He said, you've got 90 to 95% accuracy, but what's more impressive is that you have the holdback. And that's the stuff that only the, the perpetrators of the crime and law enforcement knows. And for you to get hold back, that's sort of the feather in a cap for an, an intuitive who works with law enforcement. And so he was really impressed. And he said, do you want to do this for us full time? And I said, hell no. No, no, no. <laughs> I, uh, no. I, you know, I like, I like my nice soft life in L.A. with puppies and butterflies and sunbeams and all that other stuff. I said, but, and before I could even stop the words from shooting out of my mouth, I said, but what if I could teach you cops how to do what I do? And he said, you can do that? And I said, well, that's why I'm, that's why I'm here. I'm teaching people how to do this. And I said, anybody can do it. You don't have to be special or gifted or a vegetarian or a yogi chanting on a mountaintop. It's, it's part of our biology. And, he, and so he took that offer back to, you know, the supervisors, and he, I got the go-ahead to put a program together. It took me nine months to sort of alter what I was already teaching so it was really practical and down-to-earth and grounded so that law enforcement would accept it. And then nine months later, I was in a room with 22 police detectives teaching them how to use the power of their intuition. And, you know, it's for me and, and what I teach, it's not necessarily just to have the psychic aspect because as far as intuition is concerned, the psychic aspect is very small. But, you know, for, for me in the law enforcement avenue, it was how can I teach these law officers how to create or generate or come up with innovative ideas, ideas that they wouldn't have considered before that can lead them to solutions in a crime? How can I encourage them to find alternative ways of communicating with um, fellow law enforcement officers, victims, witnesses, perpetrators, so that they can get the answers that they seek? How can I help them reduce stress? How can I help them stay healthy? How can I help them carry less of the job into their lives um, with their families and their loved ones? And so it was sort of a it was a, a body-mind-soul thing of, of handling these law enforcement officers. And ultimately what I did was I took that program, and that's what you see in First Intelligence. It's the really grounded, practical approach to intuition that explains how it's based in our biology, not how it's, um, you know, not how it's a mystical, paranormal, supernatural skill, but it's part of our humanity and um, our spiritual nature as well. It's true. So many people think it's a metaphysical thing, and it is. You know, metaphysics is a science that's just beginning to be accepted as part of conventional science before it was all very woo-woo, and there's right. still that aspect to it. But intuition, to me, I mean, you know, so many people don't realize that intuition is inherent in all of us. We just don't use it as much as we should because it wasn't taught to us to do so. I find myself constantly reminding our listeners, my clients, friends, coworkers, use your intuition or go with your gut. And sometimes I get this, you know, glazed over eyes, deer in the headlight look, and I laugh out loud because these people I know know how to do this. But so many people forget to implement their natural skill in, in various situations, while others, 
well, they kind of feel that it's a gift that only some possess, and it's not a natural skill we all have. Now, yeah. I believe it is a natural skill, and I also believe, even though it's intuition, when you are working the intuition daily, it does become, start to yeah. open that up, too. Absolutely. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This, the psychic ability is definitely an, an aspect of it. And, you know, when I was growing up, I would be viewed as a psychic child. You know, I could... I, you know, I could see dead people and, and still can and had a very deep connection with animals and was able to communicate with them in a very profound way. And, and so, you know, the experiences I had as a kid would be deemed psychic. Um, but now that I've sort of grown up and matured in that level, I can apply that, um, that skill set to things that are pra- practical and pragmatic, you know. Talking to the dead is not always a convenient thing, and it's not always going to serve you, but how can you be innovative and be idea-prone in your business? How can you know which direction to turn in order to start creating more money? How can you use your intuition to guide you so that you know how to communicate with your teenager? You know, so it, it handles all aspects of that. And, and, you know, we're all born with it. I think it's taught out of us as kids. Yeah. You know, it's, we're, we're trained not to listen to that inner guidance because it's inconvenient, let's just face it. You know, as a kid who's that way or just a kid being normal, it's sometimes not convenient. So parents, you know, dismiss it in order to fit things into time constraints and stuff like that. So it's trained out of us. And now I think more and more people are open to the idea. And so we're just having to remember. It's not something you're going to have to relearn it's just something you're going to have to remember and, and it is a muscle I totally agree with you on that T if you don't or it's a language I, I call it a language and an intelligence mm-hmm. if you don't speak it every day if you don't use it every day you're it's it's not going to work so um and and I also encourage people you're going to screw up you're going to you know just like learning a language you're going to use a verb where you should use a pronoun it's not always going to make sense to you but to have fun along the way, not be precious about it, have, you know, make it play, and it will reward you over and over again. And it gets more and more fun, too. It does. And it's interesting because sometimes you'll get you know, an intuitive hit, if I can call it that, and yep. uh, I'll just do something. And somebody say, why did you do this? I don't know. I, I was guided to, and they'll be, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. say, you know, you just do what you're guided to do because you're guided to do it because if I'm going to screw up, at least I was guided to screw up, but I never screw up when I'm guided. It's when I yes. say, no, I'm not going to listen to that. That's when you mess up. That's when yeah. you really mess and, up. Mm-hmm. And every single, every single, you know, when I, when I was teaching law enforcement, you know, part of, part of it is overcoming the, the mystical aspect of it. But, but, and trust me, when you're sitting in a room full of 22 cops who, you know, between the 22 <laughs> of them had over 400 years of law enforcement experience. So these guys were, and we went, there were men and women in the room. And, you know, some of them were sitting there with their arms, clo- or, or their arms crossed and were kind of like, well, what's this little chippy going to show us? We're in here using intuition, this psycho mumbo-jumbo and all this other crap. And I said to them, because, trust me, I could feel what they were fleeing mm-hmm. at me. And I said to them, okay, before we get started, I just want to ask you guys a question. How many in this room have been out on a case, walked into a situation, and just known that there was danger behind a certain doorway? How many of you have known when somebody wasn't getting the complete story to you? How many of you have known that maybe the drama in a case wasn't as bad as everybody was saying and there was a simpler solution? And every hand in the room went up. Every Mm -hmm. single hand in the room went up. And I said, okay, look around the room. They all looked around the room. I said, so I'm not here to teach you anything that you don't already do 
all the time. What I'm here to do is to teach you how to use it in a more proficient way, in a more effective way, and to direct it at will. So I'm not here telling you that what I'm talking about is magic. I'm just here to help you improve a skill you've already got. And in that moment, you could feel the defenses drop. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, that's why I encourage people. We've all, we've all experienced intuition, and a lot of guys will say that they get it while they're shaving in the mirror. They'll get sort of an idea that pops into their head, or they get traffic intuition where the, they hear, turn left, and then they ignore it, and they keep going straight, and there's a cop, you know? And mm-hmm. so every, everybody's had these experiences. And so I just like to sort of remind people, just remember those times when you felt an inkling and didn't know where it came from or how you knew it, and you made a choice maybe to follow it or you ignored it, and there, were, there was feedback. Yeah, there's ramifications when you don't, when you say, ah, you know, I should have tried. And, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll do something and I'll say, I should have went with my gut. What was I thinking? Why was I not in, in that moment being as aware as I know I know how to be? And we're human. Mm-hmm. We're going to make mistakes. It doesn't matter that I get hits all the time when I'm working on clients. I get hits in the shower on a daily basis. Water. Yeah, me too. Me. Well, yeah, water, water and me too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, um, I heard an interview a few weeks ago between Michael Strahan of that show Live with Kelly and Michael and Jennifer Lopez. Uh-huh. And Jennifer Lopez was going to be performing in the neighborhood in New York where she grew up. And Michael was with her and he asked her, so what do you regret? And she said, ah, oh, nothing. And then she said, well, wait a second. I regret the times I didn't go with my gut. Those are the times mm. that got me in trouble. Now, mm. even though the TV was on, it was on in the background, but as soon as I heard that, my ears perked up because – it seems to me right now more and more people are using their intuition, even though they, don't, they may not refer to it that way or they don't yes. know that that's what they're doing. It seems to be becoming more commonplace and accepted, if you will, to practice and hone that skill and use their intuition to make decisions based on their gut. And people are not being condemned as much for saying, I went with, with my gut like they used to be. Do you see that as well? Oh, for sure. Well, you know, prime examples of that, and, you know, I, I, I train business people as well, but prime examples of that, Richard Branson swears by his intuition. Oprah Winfrey swears by her intuition. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Warren Buffett swears by his intuition. Steve Jobs, oh, my gosh, that's all he gave credit to was his intuitive intelligence. So these, these visionaries, these earth movers, these paradigm shifters are all mentioning it. And it's coming out of the closet. It's sort of our, you know, I'm like, I've got to figure out a flag for the intuitive crowd. You know, the, the, the gay and lesbians have theirs, and boy, I really want to design a flag for the psychic. So we can come out of the closet and be, be proud, you know. And because yep. it has been so hidden and so dismissed. And, but it's, it's happening because we're smack in the middle of this information age where we're so inundated with data and information and external opinion that our intuition is is we're, we're evolving into ish, intuition, you know, a being evolved based on what's happening around them environmentally. So in order for us to be able to survive through this informational downpour that we're getting, our intuition has to come to the surface or we're all going to self-destruct because a nervous system, the biology of any being, cannot tolerate as much conflicting data as we are receiving. It, it shuts it down. It, it puts the body into survival mode. And that's what a lot of people are experiencing, you know, increased depression, increased anxiety, all um, ADHD and, and all of the things that people are experiencing emotionally, spiritually, is because of this information dump. And so our intuition is 
is coming online, so to speak, to save us because that's going to be the only way we learn how to navigate through all of this clutter. I will agree with you simply because a lot of people who come in are, I mean, I see everybody from I'm a little bit stressed out to up to and including hospice care. So when they're coming in a little stressed out to mild stress to full-blown stress and, and all these things start manifesting into disease, I keep saying to them, are you kidding me? You're using the technology to the point where you're not using it. You're addicted to it. There's a difference. Yeah. You need to stop. Yeah. You need to unplug. And they don't. And when you're not, when you're plugged into this electromagnetic field, the one I'm sitting in front of to do this show, I'm not going to get as many intuitive hits as if I'm out in nature and I take a break every once in a while. It's impossible to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I just got a cell phone. I just got a cell phone. All of my friends made such fun of me. And, you know, for, for a long time, I used to blow up every computer I had and I, could, I can't wear a watch. And cell phones would hurt my head, so I, I couldn't use them. But since the book has come out, you know, in order to do all these interviews, I needed a phone. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, people, people laugh, but, but it's true. So we're, we have to be able to balance our external technology with our internal technology and let the internal technology of our biology and our mind, body, spirit be ultimately what we turn to in those moments where we require direction. And I love living in Los Angeles. I'm not far from the water, but I'm, I'm right near hiking paths. And that's my, that's my spiritual work is twice a day. I'm out there where it's green and dirty and I'm with my dogs and, and like you as well, I get hit by the water. And so I like to go to the beach and that's the natural technology that we all need to kick into, but it does, it becomes an addiction. It becomes an addiction. And we Mm -hmm. believe that that external technology is going to provide us with the information that we need. And so the shift needs to become one of looking outward for the information that we're looking for and flipping it inside and, and we'll get the guidance that we need. Sure, we can gather the information outwardly and then you can make an informed decision when you go inside to get the guidance that you need from the, the real. Because that's when you're in flow. That's when you're doing what you're supposed to do. When you go into that space and you realize, okay, what do I need to do? I've got all this information. A lot of it you're going to chuck. Just throw, throw yeah. it out. You know, it's a, yeah. I mean, people who send me things on email and say, can you believe this is happening? It's like not everything on the Internet is true, people. There's <laughs> Photoshop. There's lies. There's anybody can write anything. You know, I just yeah. delete. It's crazy. Uh, but one of the yeah. things, that one of the, to me, the two really big ticket items in my mind when it comes to being intuitive are fear and trust. Because in fear, we will not get the hits. And in trust, I believe that we will. Yeah. Do you go along yeah. with that? Absolutely. Well, what I talk about in First Intelligence is that there's an intuition, an intuition triad. There's a platform on which intuitive intelligence is built. And if you imagine in your mind an equilateral triangle, an evenly sided triangle, on three sides is one of the aspects. And at the base of that triangle, in order for the foundation to stand, is peace. And, and without peace, without a sense of calm, openness, trusting, um, balanced biology, heart coherence, you will not be able to access the information. And so the three aspects that I mentioned in, in First Intelligence are peace, which is at the bottom, uh, precision, which is another aspect, and then perception. And they all occupy three equal aspects, but the peace has to be at the foundation. Because if you're, inter- if you're interacting with your intuition from a place of fear, that entire conversation, it's just like being on a phone line, and I'm sure you've used this analogy yourself. It's like having static on a phone line. And if you're, if you're 
engaging in the conversation, like I really want my intuition to work because I'm freaked out about this situation and I'm in a place of fear, then either you're not going to get any information back or the information you do think you perceive is going to be something that drives you further into the road of despair as opposed to bringing you into the light. That's true, and I think what people... I've I've said things like that to people, and they've said, well, but I'm not in fear. And I'll say, do you have doubt? And they'll say, yes. And I'll say, that's fear. Are you angry? Yes. yes. Anger is fear. It's either fear or it's love. If it isn't nice and white and fluffy and feels good, it's fear. <laughs> There's just yes. no two ways about it. You know? So yeah. it isn't actually the word fear. It's everything, the negativity that goes along with it, any kind of anxiety or stress or angst. You know? That's, um, yeah, I think that that's a big, big thing, because if you don't build things on peace, you will not get the right answer. Right. And a lot of people see, I find, a lot of people I find are so used to being in those energies that they don't even recognize that they are. Mm-hmm. It's become such a habit that they think they're totally fine until they completely have an opportunity to unplug or they learn a meditative practice or they have some profound moment where they're actually out of their mind where they or they have a, a spiritual experience where they actually feel what it feels like not to be in that negative mind chatter. So, you know, what I tell people, and it's sort of like what you mentioned, I said, and part of the precision aspect that I talk about in first intelligence is learning how to identify what those distortions feel like because paranoia has a specific feeling and doubt has a specific feeling and anger has a specific feeling. They're all subtle variations of of fear. They all have different frequencies. So, what I encourage people to do is get intimate with those feelings. A lot of, a lot of practitioners will say, avoid them at all costs. And, you know, if you, if you avoid the darkness, you're going to avoid the light because it's a part of a polarity. They're both attached, mm-hmm. right? Right. So I encourage people, to, I say, all right, let's look at this fear thing. I'm, I'm not going to encourage you to dismiss it. Let's look at it. Because if you're feeling fear, obviously it's going to feel bad, you're, you're going to feel it in your body in an awful, yucky kind of way. It doesn't feel good. And, but then what I do is I say, what, there's a thought behind this fear. Something is driving it, otherwise you wouldn't be feeling it. And so I challenge people, I say, what thought are you having in this moment that you're believing is true, that your intuitive intelligence, your higher self, your greater aspect doesn't believe is true? So basically I say, in this moment when you're feeling fear, Your lower mind is telling you something that is not in alignment with your highest good. And so it hurts. But Mm -hmm. don't dismiss it. Use it. Because in that moment, you can identify what that limiting thought or belief is. And you can shine your awareness on it and go, oh, my gosh, that is totally what I'm doing. And I do that every day when I go into work. Or I do it every day when I get behind the wheel of a car. And so you you start to transmute that energy that's trapped in the fear and you turn water into wine, you're able to free up the energy that's held there and convert it into the energy that supports your light. I always encourage my my clients to dive into it and really challenge it and look at it. And it's in looking at it and bringing your conscious awareness to that distortion that it starts to lose its power. And that's when things really start to move. Yes, and I agree with you because in order to get over something, you have to go through it. If you don't go through it, you'll only have that happen again and have it happen again until you learn to go through it. So you do have to feel into it 
and to get over it, go through it, really go through it and let go of it. And a, a word that I love and I use all the time, and you use it, you have to transmute. Transformation means it can come back. Transmutation means it won't. It's gone. Yeah. So you need to yeah. transmute that and get rid of it because if you transform it, guess what? It can transform back, just like those little thingies that those hence the name transformer. <laughs> you know, they go back to a robot or something and go back again. Right. But when you transmute something, it's gone. So yeah, I love that you used that word as well. That was great. You know, um, you did write about the four levels of intuition, and I'd like to go through those in just a second. But first, I want to tell people that we are speaking with Simone Wright, author of First Intelligence. You can learn more about this, uh, by visiting Simone's website, www.simonewright. It's S-I-M-O-N-E-W-R-I-G-H-T.com. So go ahead and write that down now, simonewright.com, and then check it out after the show because you will want to get this book. It is a great guidebook in order to help you, even if you're just someone who is just starting out and doesn't think you have intuition or someone who's been doing things for a long time. It, it reminds you of the little things you can do to enhance your abilities already. But you do write about the four levels of intuition in the book. And I was wondering, would it be okay if we went through those so people have an idea of what those levels are? Sure. Sure. And you okay. already mentioned one of them. And the one that's most yep. commonly known to people is gut instinct. Yep. Um, that's that's the one that's sort of most commonly accepted, and you know what J Lo talks about. Um, mm-hmm. So if J Lo J Lo's talking about it, it's got to be the bomb, right? Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Jenny from the block is talking about her instinct. Um, but gut 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 instinct is the first level of intuition, obviously housed in the gut. It is the most basic level of intuitive intelligence. It um, serves our need and our desire to survive. It it serves our uh, desire for security and safety. It is binary, which means it operates on a platform of appropriate, inappropriate, safe, unsafe, stop, go, yes, no. Um, It is housed in the belly. And, which is served by, you know, 100 million neurons. There are actually uh, brain cells in the gut that are able to respond to stimulus in the environment. That's why we get sensations in our gut that feel a certain way. But it's basic. It doesn't serve our higher needs or our evolutionary goals. It serves our need to survive. Second level, moving up in the biology of the body, goes to the heart, heart wisdom. It serves communication, compassion, connection, community. So when you're having a really transformational conversation with somebody that you care about and there's been movement or healing, it's called a heart-to-heart conversation. When you're trying to heal something, you don't say, I'm going to go have a head-to-head with somebody. When you're having a head-to-head, what is it? It's a battle. When you're having a heart-to-heart, you're going for healing. So this is the communication of intuition that allows you to communicate with nature. It allows you to be in a place where you're working hospice and you know what to say or what not to say. It's uh, allows you to communicate with your animals. It's the heart vibration, and it has a very powerful so wisdom. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very powerful because in hospice situations, when I walk into a room and there are people there, the family is telling everyone, oh, yeah, well, when you come home, that patient knows they're not coming home. Mm-hmm. They know that. They absolutely know it, and so does everybody else in the room. So they will look to someone who will tell them the truth, and somehow it's usually one of the people in the room who's working on them. 
a lot of times it's me. And it's not that you're saying, well, you're going to die. You're just, you're compassionate in the way that you speak with them and you're not holding back or pulling any punches. And you said it earlier, all of a sudden the words just like come out of your mouth and you almost can't use your own filter because this is the message that needs to be delivered to this person. That is truly coming from the heart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and that's, com- that's communicating through compassion. And you, you can use heart wisdom in business. You can use it in a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really powerful. And then the third level, again, moving up the biology, is housed in the brain, in the pineal gland, the pituitary gland, the hypothalamus, and all those various organs of the brain. And this is where the psychic ability is. It's called visionary powers, the third level of intuition. But the psychic ability isn't the only superpower of that level. The, the part that thrills me is the innovative ideas, the stuff that comes out of the blue that can solve a problem that you've never considered before, ideas, impulses, impressions, um, just seeing things in your mind's eye really clearly about what you want to achieve in regards to your destiny and being able to see clearly how to bring that about. That's the superpower of the third level of intuitive intelligence. And then the fourth level encompasses mind, body, spirit. It's out of the body. Um, and it is the connection to universal wisdom. It is the God self. It is that part of us that when we're in real moments of stress or even moments of great awe and wonder where we hear the little voice that says, hey, kid, you know what? That little skin suit that you're running around in, that's not you. You are so much bigger. Mm-hmm. You are so much broader. You are so much more love. <laughs> and it's that, part that, it's that part that says, don't worry about anything, really, that's going on in your life. Even if you are getting ready to make your transition, you aren't this little body. And, and in those moments when you feel that there's so much, there's, there's so much more to you, you have so much more power um, that it, it sort of like everything in your world makes sense. All your past makes sense, and it makes the picture very clear. So all four of those levels, we've all got them, but they all operate at different times in our life, right? If you're getting ready to make an unwise decision and go down a dark alley, your gut instinct is going to kick in. And in that mm-hmm. moment, it's going to tell you to run. It's not going to tell you to turn around and have a heart-to-heart conversation with the guy who's chasing you down the alley. So right. each of them <laughs> has, you know, each of them has its purpose and its superpower given whatever situation you're in at that time. So I encourage people to, you know, be aware of the different levels and then sort of observe which one pops up at any sort of given time and be like, oh, oh, I was totally in visionary power right there. I could totally see what was coming or, oh, in that moment I really felt my gut kick in and, oh, in that moment I was right out of my body. It wasn't about me at all. And, or in this moment I totally felt my heart having a communication with this guy and, and being able to navigate through all of those things so they become more, they become richer and more evolved in each of us. So that's part of the fun of it too. Yeah, you, it, it, is, uh, it seems like sometimes there's an overlap between different ones, things that are going on. And, and sometimes, and I know this has happened to me in the past, you know, I believe people perceive their hits in different ways. But yeah. sometimes when you get a hit, you're thinking, okay, is this just wishful thinking? Is this something I want? Or is this like I'm really being told to do something and I can do it and you're afraid to take that leap of faith and do something and you think, no, this is just like a wish. And we limit ourselves, and we we are limitless. So how can you discern between, is this a thought that's coming to my head, I'm going crazy because I hear, because literally you hear a voice in your head and you think, okay, it sounds like me, but it's loud and clear. It's, my mouth isn't moving. Or is Mm -hmm. this a bona fide intuitive hit? Well, part of... Part of one of the misconceptions, that, the unfortunate detrimental misconceptions about intuition is that it's based in emotion. And 
in, intuition, the, the information that you get in an intuitive hit is emotionally neutral. Ask anybody who's had a traffic hit when they've gotten the impression in traffic or while they're shaving or when you've gotten a direction. The uh-huh. direction says, turn left. The direction says, call your mother. The direction says, um, it's time to leave this job. It doesn't say, turn left or turn left. It's very neutral. <laughs> there's, there's no emotion attached to it. What ha- tends to happen is that when we get the intuitive hit, we hear it, we recognize it. Instantly, we have an emotional reaction to the information held within the hit. So the emotion is coming from us. It's not coming from the intuition. So that's something that's really important to recognize. Is getting good at noticing the grounded neutrality of a hit. And once you get really good at identifying the neutrality of it, then you'll get really good at recognizing then what ends up being your own distortions, your own fear. Because, listen, if you get an intuitive hit that says, sweetheart, it's time for us to leave this job. It's not helping us grow any longer. If you react to that thinking, well, if I, if I quit, then how am I going to survive? How am I going to pay my bills? What's going to happen next? And you recognize, okay, this is the chatter that I'm having again. This is where we talked about before, is being able to recognize what that fear feels like. And then you're able to say, okay, I'm feeling this emotion. I'm feeling this fear. The intuitive hit was appropriate and accurate, and I'm going to take action based on that. And I realize that all this other stuff is me putting my overlay over it. And wishful thinking is, is, is sort of the same but on the opposite scale because you can be uh, – if you've got really high hopes about something, even if it's an awesome thing, I want you to think about, you know, if you've imagined, oh, I'm going to win the lottery and, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to buy a car and I'm going to move to Florida and I'm going to buy my parents a car and a house. and Just think about, you know, reflect on how that makes you feel. In that moment, even though it's on the scale of goodness, you're not in a place of neutral peace. And so you have to really be able to ask yourself, all right, when I engage in the conversation, am I accessing it from a coherent, peaceful, open, trusting place? And that's how you really, and you you reflect, I, I encourage people to screw up because we learn more when we, quote, unquote, make mistakes, but there aren't any mistakes really. We learn more when we, make errors than we do really when we are spot on because when we screw up there's an emotional there's an emotional imprint that we go oh dang it and it forces us us to sort of recognize where we stumbled you know so I, I always say you know these wishful thinking has a certain charge to it if you're too hyped about something you're going to feel it. And if you feel that there's an energetic charge behind any of the information that you're getting, then I encourage you to sort of reel it in a little bit, stop, get centered again, and then engage. Um, Because each of those feelings, past programming, wishful thinking, they all have an energetic charge that causes distortion. So it just becomes, again, part of our precision, learning how to recognize how our energetic body functions throughout the conversation. I think sometimes when we are, no, no, it's a great answer, though. When we're emoting, when we are very emotional about something, you know, you can do almost anything when emotion isn't involved. You can make a decision. You can, it's just cut and dry. It's black and white. Yeah, that might be a gray area. But you can make decisions when emotion is left out of it. But the minute emotion gets involved, 
forget it. it, You go down the tubes because you can't get to that place of neutrality in order to make the decision that you need to make because your emotions are completely taking over. How does one, when you're in that place, other than going to see someone to, to help you, how, how can you yourself get yourself out of that so you're able to make that decision and say, okay, i got to let go of this emotion and really just get back to, you know, a place where I can make the decision? Well, I, you know, when I'm working with clients or when I'm training anybody, business, law enforcement, or entrepreneurs or whomever, I teach, uh, I teach people how to get coherent. And coherence, I'm sure you have talked about this to your people many times, coherence is the scientific term for peace. It's, yep. it's when your heart is balanced and your heart is the master conductor of your body. It has an electric field, a magnetic field, so much more powerful than that of the brain. And when your heart is balanced, it, it brings everything into balance, and that's what cultivates this, this practice of peace. And, you know, I train my clients to be able to shift into coherence on the fly because when you're in a moment of crisis you don't want to be saying hey listen hang on a second i'm just going to go meditate for 20 minutes and i'm going to come right back and i'll give you an answer you yeah. what's you know you want to be able to have allow people to shift instantly from stress into coherence and so i encourage a, a meditative practice for sure but what i teach in in my meditative training is to be able to shift to that heart energy and to it's called it's a it's something that's been developed by the institute of heart math in northern california here i love that you, mm. oh, they're so great a dear friend of mine works for them and 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 when i was developing the program i i, I was i was I was looking for language to speak about what I was already doing. And so I was talking to her, and I'm like, well, there's this shift, and I moved to my heart. She goes, oh, well, that's, that's coherence. And I'm like, well, so what's the mm-hmm. science of that? And so it's, it's moving into the heart. It's focusing in the energetic field around the heart. And it takes some practice. And, you know, in order to do something well so that it serves you in moments that are tough, you need to practice on your sofa when you're not you know, when you're not being wigged out, when you're not in a moment of crisis. But if you can focus on that place around your heart and make it a practice every mo- every morning, breathing in and out of that space, your body's going to automatically shift out of fear. And your, mm-hmm. because your heart is taking over, it's going to balance and normalize you. But, you again, you have to practice it before you need it. You know, it's like a, a firefighter practices how to put out a fire before there's a six-alarm bell, right? So it's, right. The, it's the same with us. And... And boy, it's you know at law we're training it to law enforcement and we're training it to to medical people and and they really notice a difference. So it's it, it's really it's really simple. Focus on the heart, breathe through that heart space, and um, you'll notice things automatically shift. And you don't really have to do much more than that. You know, I'm, I'm so glad you said that because when I say this to people, they look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, honest to God, this works. And I give them the whole heart math thing, the whole great Braden thing, appreciation, care, compassion, gratitude, the only four words in the English language that are going to allow you to get into that space quickly and start to initiate healing because they have a frequency of 0.01 hertz. I mean, I go through the whole thing, okay? And I tell them this and I say to them, to the point where, do you remember that little origami game that is called Paku Paku, but some people refer to it as oh, um, like a little fortune teller thing where you it, it looks like a little cone you put your fingers in and you open yeah. it and close it and yeah. in. okay i made you one of those color. appreciation care yeah i made one with mm-hmm. appreciation care compassion gratitude and then it would say inside what you needed to do for each one and to get to your heart center did this for I, i'm on the board of trustees for a chamber of commerce we did it for 250 people brought it in as a wellness tip they thought i was nuts 
okay, fine. I went to a couple of offices, and one gentleman had kept his on his desk, and his secretary came in, and she was just like freaking out, and he said, here, go take this and do it. <laughs> and she did, and it was so mm-hmm. funny, and I thought, oh, my God, at least they're using it. So people are becoming more aware that you do need to get into that space in order to get out of that space because you think you're in your heart when you're emoting, but you're not. You're no. not. You're yeah. not there at all. Yeah. You're nowhere near. You're so far off base it isn't even funny, you know? Yeah. yeah. I can, and yeah, when you and when amazing. you and when you dive even deeper, if we when you dive even deeper to the core of appreciation, gratitude, um, and uh, what were the other words you mentioned? Um, care and compassion. Care and compassion. When you dive mm-hmm. even deeper to the root of those words, the core at the root of those is peace. At the mm-hmm. very base mm-hmm. of those is peace. So you know. So that's why I, you know, that's why the foundation of this is peace. And you can go even deeper than, than those words and find that point where it's so beyond that frequency that it's, it, it's the deepest root. You know, that's when, when Jesus talked and he spoke, he was the prince of peace. It was how was he right. able to cultivate those miracles is because that's where he went. And the unified field is built on that, you know, where the, all of the information is stored for us that is the frequency on which it is built. You know, even even at the root of love is a deeper peace. It's mm-hmm. and so in order to access that field where all of the intuitive information is stored, whether it's for us to heal or make more money or find our our our, our partner who's appropriate for this at this time. And notice I didn't say you're one and only soulmate. Um, that right. that that data is held in the field, and you have to ring the doorbell of the field in order to get the information and the doorbell is the frequency of peace. So, and the heart coherence allows you to access that. And, but it's, you know, it's funny. It's it's coming. It's time. People want it. People are so stressed out. They're like, please, somebody give me a tool. I'll take anything. Oh, and they're starving for it. They hunger for it. They thirst for it. It's crazy. The yoga classes are more are increasing more and more, especially with men. I mean, it started. It was a man's thing, and then women got into it, and it became a woman's thing, and now it's both. And there's more and more of these Fortune 500, you know, executives coming into yoga classes, which is really good. Yeah. So so we can see that out there a lot. Uh, Yeah. Now, you know, one of the things that that sometimes is difficult for people is that. You know, we're all going to, like you said at the very beginning, we're going to mess up when it comes to, to being in, intuitive and, and doing things. But if you, I truly believe that there are times when I'm following my intuition only to find out that I wasn't because things didn't work out as I anticipated and expected them to. However, mm-hmm. if I really look back on the situation, I mean really look back honestly, I can see that I was in a state of either fear or anxiety and that's what threw me off. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you examine yeah. it, you really can. Mm-hmm. And I think and, people and don't want to do that. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Tia, I lost right. you. Yeah, they, they, they don't, they, sometimes I think people don't want to do that because they say, no, I absolutely knew what I was doing. I wasn't in a place of fear and anxiety because they don't want to go and see, honestly, yes, you are. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, listen, I train people how to do this, and I, there are still times when I, it's not as predominant anymore. It's not mm-hmm. as predominant anymore. I've got to be honest. But, you know, in the past, there were times when I know full well I was getting intuitive direction. I know to the deepest part of me that I was getting direction, and I ignored it. Because it's also important to ask, why would I ignore the information? You, you might have ulterior motives. You might have a great desire that, that 
I'll, I'll give you a personal example. I got engaged. I, it was never a great dream or aspiration for me to be married. I was raised by a single mom, so it was never a big deal for me to get, get married. But I met a fella. He was kind of cute. He proposed. There was a nice ring. I told all my friends. But there, was, there were red flags all over the place, red flags, mm-hmm. brilliant, bright, glowing, pink and fuchsia red flags saying, this isn't appropriate for you. Not he's the wrong guy, not he's a bad guy, but this is not appropriate for you. That was the information. And to the point where three days before the wedding, it's like, sweetheart, this isn't appropriate for you. You need to cancel this. And I didn't, and I got married. And it blew up really, really quickly. It blew up and broke my heart in a profound way. But when I stepped away, I said, all right, I know my intuition was guiding me to not make this choice. I made the choice anyway. So I didn't follow the intuitive direction, so, which could be considered a failure. But what did I learn in the midst of all of that nuttiness, even though I ignored my intuition, and it could be perceived as a failure, that still served me, that still right. made me better, that still made me more powerful, that still got me ultimately where I wanted to go, but I got to learn a lesson in a really empowered way. I got to learn the lesson of what do I do to, or what am I feeling when I talk myself out of what I hear. And so now when I get those intuitive hits, I remember. I go, okay, I know I've ignored this before and I've paid a price and I'm not going to do it mm-hmm. again. So, you know, look at those times when you, I, I say you fall face first in the mud. Look at those times when you've gotten really muddy and, and you've gotten your knees skinned and your heart broken and go, okay, well, why, how has it made me better? So that way you're not carrying judgment around about yourself saying, God, I was such an idiot. Because I did. I beat myself up for a long time thinking, oh, gosh, I teach people about intuition and I'm supposed to be so evolved and yet I made this choice? What was I thinking? And then my intuition said, yeah, but look at what you got out of it. Look at what you yep. gained. And so being able to let go of our judgment when we think we've screwed up and, again, being able to use our intuitive ability to look down from so much higher and see that higher picture from our universal perspective and say, yeah, but look how much bigger a person you are now. And then you let yourself off the hook and you shift back into peace. Sure, and cut ourselves some slack because we are human and we are works in progress. And with that, we are getting to the top of the hour. I can't believe it. this no. has been a great show. Oh, it goes so fast. It, goes it, goes so fast. it does go so fast. And uh, now, do you do readings? Tell us a little bit about the workshops you do. Do you do readings? And you have a whole lot of great stuff on your website. Would you tell our listeners about that and how they can get in touch with you and where they can purchase your book? Yeah, well, T mentioned it earlier. My website is www.simonewright.com, First Intelligence. Intelligence is available there or at uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or fine bookstores everywhere. Um, but, yeah, I do, uh, I do do clarity sessions with people. Those are 90-minute single sessions. But I prefer to work more long-term because, you know, I don't do as many consultations where people used to come up to and say, is this the guy I should marry? Is this job going to work out? I, I, I don't do that anymore. I don't, I don't enjoy it, and I believe it takes people's power away. If somebody's working on something, I say, come to me with a goal, come to me with a mission, come to me with a desire, and we'll work on it together. I tell people, put your hands on the wheel of your life. Stop giving the psychics in your life power. And mm. so I work, I work with um, coaching people how to make their dreams a reality through the power of their intuition. And I have an online workshop coming up uh, late September 
I will be speaking here in Los Angeles tomorrow. I will be in Vancouver, Canada in September. And, yeah, I've got all sorts of stuff coming up. So, yeah, go to my website. Uh, follow me on Facebook. You can um, link in. There's a, a little login thing where you can get 10 tips how to develop your intuition right there. And I do YouTube videos. And it's, it's all one-stop shop for fabulousness right there. There you go. That, I like that. One-stop shopping for fabulousness. That's, that is fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, you know, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so that you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live productively, healthfully, purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do that. So send the link for this show that you just listened to to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they too may learn and grow and make the world a better place for everyone. This was really a terrific show, Simone. Thank you so much for sharing your time with all of us. If you wouldn't mind holding on the line for a little bit and after I, uh, I sign off, I'd like to talk to you just for a couple of minutes. Is that okay? You got it, T. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, it was just wonderful to have you joining us here tonight. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archived list of past shows, a lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting throughout the year, including upcoming Quartz Crystal Singing Bowl concerts. So if you're not in the area and you cannot make a concert, you may certainly go to my website and order my CD, Imagine, because it's there and it is available. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care, stay well, and have a great week.